This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Every time I try to like Emily, she kicks me in the nuts. Hello and Happy New Year! Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. And I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls. Which is a show that I love, but I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. Happy birthday, Brian. Thank you. I do want to point out that we're recording this in December and it is not Brian's birthday, but the day that this comes out, it will be. Right, so I have no extra presents now and I don't feel older yet. Um, but how do you think you will feel? Older and of having presents. Do you want to tell our audience about your newfound love? I'm all about the crockpot now. We found a book in our lobby that someone had gotten rid of called Dump Meals. It's called Dump Meals. And it's a ton of meals that you just throw stuff in a crockpot and leave it for eight hours and it's delicious. It's mostly ingredients you would find around your grandma's home. But um, yeah, some are taste uh, like... A dump meal might taste, and some are fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the ingredients are simple. It'll be like half a bottle of ketchup. Okay, cool. One meat. One meat. But they're all they're all pretty good and easy. This podcast is sponsored by Big Crockpot. And Little Dump Meals. Big Crockpot and Little Dump Meals. When you've got a big party and you want to take a little dump, that's not their slogan. I don't know that they have one. We would not mind sponsors, but this probably hasn't been the best audition. <laughs> What's going on with you? I made some really good cookies. Yeah, you did. I also made Chex Mix today. I've made Chex Mix before, but this is Chex Mix. Yeah, it's good. Also, okay, I was telling my friends just earlier today that I was making Chex Mix, and they looked at me over Zoom like I was crazy, and I didn't understand how to make it any clearer for them what I was doing. So I just started repeating Chex Mix and Chex in different inflections, hoping something would click. And they were like, in the oven you're making that? They're like, you just put that in a bowl. What? Don't you like have to bake it? Yeah. I don't, like, you just put cereal in a bowl with, like, these people are missing a big portion of the recipe. Yeah, you gotta, like, get the butter ooey-gooey. They just have the ingredient list. They're just eating cereal with no milk. Yeah, gross, salty cereal. Yeah, why are they putting pretzels in their cereal for? Yeah. I need new friends. Did we tell them about dog number number two, the ones you maybe caused to break up? I don't know. Brian left a note for some neighbors across the hall, a very nice note, because their dog barks when they're gone, and Brian was like, maybe they just aren't aware that their dog is sad when they're gone. And then later that night, this couple... And another woman is having a big fight about something. And I like to fanfic. Is that the right verb here? I don't think fanfic's a verb, but I like the usage here. That's very Whedon-esque. And I like to fanfic that this prompted the couple to be like, wait a minute. What do you mean the dog barks when you're not home? You say you're home all day. Where Where are are you? We don't know that any of this is true, but this is what our lives are now. The podcast and spying on our neighbors. Yeah, I... uh... I loved it. It's just such a nice diversion from just sitting around in your apartment. It was so late at night. We were about to go to bed, but we had a whole show to watch. And by watch, I mean listen to through the door. This woman was blocking someone on Instagram. Somebody's not cheating. That was said several times. One of the women almost went to jail a different time. She's lost a lot of friends. If you are these people, let us know the truth about our fanfic. Yeah, did I ruin something? Did we get all the details right? The note was very nice. Should we get into our telly shows, Brian? Let's get into our telly shows. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls and we watched season two, episode seven, 
like mother, like daughter. Brian, what happened? Well, this episode is about Rory and Lorelai getting more involved in social at the school. Which is called? Chilton. Good job. The episode starts with Rory and Lorelai having some high, fast-paced dialogue about how many books she's got in her bag. And I get this, you know? When I was growing up, I would sometimes have two books that I would alternate between. But I think anything beyond that's a bit much. Rory goes to school, takes her book out. Actually, her book is like already out when she gets there. Yeah, came with her lunch. That's what it looks like. She opens her book while she's listening to her music and she's going to eat. She's got a, she has ADHD. This girl's doing a lot of things at once. Yeah, I I don't want to listen to music with words while I'm reading. While you're also eating in the very short amount of time you're allowed to eat at this school. Yeah, I have so many questions about this school's cafeteria. But then some woman stops by and was like, hey, Rory. She's talking to her like she's a mental patient, you know, and like she's like, how are we doing today? I was still... (laughs) Do we still think we're Napoleon? She's like, oh, come talk to me later. Rory's like, what's it about? She's like, you'll find out then, okay? This woman's a guidance counselor. And she's like, Rory, bad news. You are socially stupid. I mean, okay. (laughs) It's just like the weirdest. She's super nice, but she's just such a weird like, hey, we want you to know that you're a loner and we don't like loners. Did did this happen in school, people? I I was fairly... Social. I don't want to say I was popular, but I definitely hung out with people at lunch. So I is this something that guidance counselors do worry about and is like their job to confront students about? Yeah, I mean, that never happened to me, but I was like, oops, pops. You were oops, pops? Yeah. Okay. That's uber popular. Were you? No. Well, yes and no. Sometimes I was, sometimes I wasn't. All right. When I won student council president, I was very popular, and then I moved schools, so... Because you got too popular? Yeah. They were like, this guy is oobs, pops. He's tops, pops. We got to move him. He keeps saying that, and it's weird, but... um... Oobs, pops, tops. Okay. The guidance counselor says that Charleston, the headmaster, is worried about her, and they've been, like, spying on her creepily to see that she's a loner, and they're afraid to give her a recommendation to go to Harvard, which they seem to think she deserves because she's smart, if she's, like... A recluse, like she can't be social. So they're like, you better be social or else we're not going to recommend you. But she's all like, I am social, just not freaking here. Like I have a boyfriend and a friend and a weird mom. We're all good. It's weird that you're like, but what table do you sit at? Like none of that stuff really matters going forward in the future. Back at home, Lorelai's like, don't worry, Rory. You don't need to be social. It's crazy that they said that. I'm going to go talk to them for you. Meanwhile, Kirk is working on her car and is like having a lot of trouble. We're supposed to think he is. But then he like fixes the car. No problem. Comes over and he's like, hey, I've been uh, listening in. And I want you to know that I was a loner in school. And I turned out fine. And of course, they're kind of like, no, you didn't. So Lorelai goes to meet with Headmaster Charleston. And he acts like they never had a contentious uh, meeting before. Yeah, I really was expecting him to bring up, oh, no cowboy boots this time. Exactly. He's kind of an asshole. He is kind of an asshole, but they also sort of suggest that he's right. And and basically, he's like, you're not social enough either, ma'am. You need to be part of all these adult social things. Just so weird, because she got like too social when she was 16. Yeah, and she's already gotten real social with the faculty. So maybe don't let Lorelai come to the school. (laughs) Yeah, she's been pretty involved in the school business, sir. She's got a different form of parent-teacher association. Yeah. She's on the PTO. PT orgasm? Yeah. But any whose ways, Lorelai leaves there with her tail between her legs. He kind of gaslights her in a way into thinking that this was his idea when it was oh, yeah. her that called the meeting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of silly, especially because she was like, oh, can I go? And I'm like, I feel like that's not Lorelai's character. <laughs> I feel like she would just take charge. They have Friday night dinner. This was weird. Mm-hmm. The maid tells them when they get there that Emily wants them to go onto the patio because they're barbecuing. Yep. 
So they go out there. They're like, oh, this is cool. They snag some corn. They sit down, nibble, nibble. And Emily comes out and is like, what are you doing eating out here? Like little piggies come into the dining room. I can't believe you eat out here. And it's like, well, you told them to go out there. Yeah. And also she immediately has them sit down for dinner. They always have like a cocktail hour before dinner. Yeah. So none of this makes sense. The maid was wrong or Emily was wrong. I don't understand what happened. I mean, Emily was mad at them when they got there. So like there's that. Yes. But also the only other thing I can think of is like she wanted them to go outside. But like once they started actually eating out there, like without plates, that was somehow offensive to her. She didn't think they'd actually eat. But she's mad because she's friends with Biddy Charleston, the headmaster's wife. And she knows all about this antisocial nonsense. And Lorelai's like, well, I'm joining a club. And Emily's like, well, which one? She's like, Booster Club. She made that up. She didn't know that was one. Or she just saw it and didn't know what it was. Right. But now she's got to join the Booster Club. Where's Richard? Are him and Emily okay? They left off on bad terms. So the next time at lunch, Rory's like, I'm going to go sit with someone. So she just goes and sits down in an empty chair with what later we find out is the puffs. Also, okay. A girl had just gotten up. Right. And the rest of the girls were still sitting and eating. That's not like how lunch works. Like you don't have just like a come and go as you want lunch. It's like a lunch period, right? So I don't know why this girl was like done and Rory was just getting started, but like all the other girls were in the middle. Maybe she was like, listen, I got to dump. I got to go. I got to (laughs) puff. So Rory sits down, just starts talking to them. They all introduce themselves to her. They all have insane names. There's a girl named Lemon. Yeah. That's a name I'll remember because it's stupid. Paris walks by and then like reverse walks like, WTF am I seeing right now? So Rory sits and talks with them for like two minutes. The bell rings. They all get up. They all still have so much food on their trays. None of them have eaten. The one girl is eating the other girl's fruit? Yeah, Francie, the popular girl, was eating girl number two's fruit, even though she had her own fruit. Full bowl of fruit, too. But none of them touched any of their food. It's probably because this lunch period is 9 a.m. after first period, as we've established. No one's hungry yet. And most of them got full on their book. (laughs) But then Paris takes Rory aside to confront her in the hallway. It's like, you're sitting with the puffs? It's like a secret high school sorority. I've been trying to be on their team forever. And we're supposed to, like, feel bad for Paris here. Because her whole family has been puffs. And, like, despite all of her efforts, they're, like, not giving her the time of the day. She needs to be a puff. And it's like, yeah, but you're, like, a terrible person and you've done terrible things to Rory. Why do I feel bad for you? I don't. I think your exact words were, Paris, get effed. I said, get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) I feel no empathy for her because she has not been an empathetic character. She's been really bad to Rory, despite Rory being a good friend to her over and over again. But somehow this works on Rory. Well, Rory's been like going out of her way as a character to try to do the moral thing. Yeah. She is very empathetic. She's always thinking about other people. So, of course, it does work on her, like you said. And she starts talking Paris up and then like gets Paris' seat at the table. Yeah, I don't really know even what she said that convinced them. They knew about Paris and her family. Apparently you needed like an invite to sit at this table. It seems not very exclusive. Both of them got in very easily. I remember at lunch, there was various tables I sat at. But I remember one time there was like, there was like a popular table. And one day I just went and sat there. And I remember everyone that saw me sit there was kind of just like, what? You're sitting with it, what? Like, I don't think anyone was like, go sit somewhere else. It was definitely like a... Does not compute. Mm-hmm. Your popularity level is not high enough. This is before his oops pops. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. When I was in eighth grade, there were nine girls in my class. And the most popular girl sat on the end of the table. And then the second most popular girl sat on her left. The third and fourth most popular girls alternated sitting on her right. Is in right on her right or one away from her. And then me, another third tier girl, rotated into this 
this arrangement too. Like sometimes we were closer next to the second most popular girl. Sometimes we were farther away. And then there were these three other losers that had to rotate even farther down the table. But isn't that just bonkers what I said? Yeah, so were you one, did you have like a, a schedule for rotation? I feel like you told me once you had a schedule. It was just every other day. Yeah. But what, who who decided that the, the one girl didn't have to move ever? God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's doing great now. I'm sure they're all doing great. Yeah, why do they like Rory? I think just because she, like, confidently sat with them. Yeah, I think so, I guess. And she was, like, sort of witty. Like I said, though, it seems not that hard to sit with these people, even though they're telling us that it is. And Paris is now all in debt and happy about Rory for all of, like, a minute before this wears off. Meanwhile... Lorelai goes to the first booster club meeting, and it's a bunch of women, and one of them is real dumb, right? I feel like she's a stepmom, so she's sort of like maybe married an older man. Right. She definitely like married into wealth and like, like quit her job. Like a gold digger situation? Yeah. Did you say mole digger? Gold digger? I, that's what I assumed you said, but it sounded like mole digger. She loves moles. This guy's got a lot of them. This dude's got like so many moles, and when he dies, she gets them all. Mm-hmm. But Lorelai gets along with him immediately and like hatches a plan to raise money, which I don't understand. I'm still bothered by this plan. She didn't plan the fashion show portion of it. She just offered the inn. Well, they. she also says, I can give you this inn. I work there. And because it's for charity, I can save a lot of money and give you a good price. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's true for a lot of different reasons. Like one, it's not really for charity. Yeah, it's to raise money for the school. But It's to raise money for a private school. Your problem, though, is the fashion show as the fundraiser. Oh, which... oh, I have more than one problem. Oh, okay. Well, that's number one. We're going to start with the fact that it's not a charity. It's a fundraiser for a private school. Right. Like, if McDonald's raised money for itself, you wouldn't call that a charity. Also, what the hell is a fashion show fundraiser? I'm guessing they have to, like, pay to come and watch it and eat. But who's coming? It looked like a bunch of women, the other moms from the school. Would you pay money to go to a fashion show of other moms? Maybe if it was, like, for my kid's school. It's an event to be social. I don't know. We don't live that life. I Yeah, I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's just a, such a... The twist that Lorelai doesn't realize until it's too late, she's already too dug in, is that the women of the Booster Club are going to have to model the clothes. Which Lorelai is offended by, even though she's, like, super model and stunning. Yeah. She just can't believe she's got to do this. Yeah, in front of other moms? I don't know. It doesn't... Who cares? And because Emily, like, stuck her nose in all this, Lorelai, like, makes her mom do it, too. To her mom's credit, her mom's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. But it's just, I don't, like, I just, no one is going to pay money for this. Because you got to pay money to go. I think it's like, you want to give money to the school, and this is, like, a bonus entertainment. It's just a crazy concept. I feel like anything else would have been better than a fashion show. It was also very short. And I thought maybe, like, the women could buy the clothing, but I don't know that that was part of it. Also, the stuff of Luke makes no sense. So, the guy making the runway, who is uh, also on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He apparently is putting the ramp together wrong. Like, it's not complicated. Like, the part that seemed like it wasn't going in was the legs. Yeah, it was crooked. And so Luke comes in. He fixes it. Lorelai, I'm assuming, calls Luke to come. Right. And he does whatever she wants whenever because he's like a puppy dog. He fixes it. And he's like, I'm going to hang out just in case, like, it falls apart. Like, it's like, well, then you did it wrong, man. Like, it shouldn't be falling apart. She suggests he can leave after one of the other moms walks by and is like, who's that hunk of meat? Do women talk this way? Just Maybe. like walks by and is like, oh my God, I wanted that guy. What kind of women is he into? Uh, 
I wouldn't be shocked if a woman said, I'm into that guy, but it maybe is weird to ask what kind of women someone is into. That's, that was the line for me. It was like, you barely know Lorelai. Lorelai doesn't know how to answer that question because it's a weird question. Yeah. But also Lorelai's like, um, no one but me. What are you talking about, taller woman? Yeah, she's like, is he strong? And she's like, well, he can open a pickle jar, which she knows because he's got a fuck ton of pickle jars. Yeah. Emily shows up. Turns out they've been booked as the mother-daughter fashion duo. Oh, no, except they like it. I mean- they don't at first. Which actually I hated. I hated that Lorelai was so like, ugh, I hate this. I'm like, then why do it? She kind of got forced into it. I know, but she just like walks on the runway like, ugh, I hate this. I'm like, no one wants, you're making it sad for everybody. I mean, I don't think the outfit was good for Lorelai. Yeah. Because like Rory makes fun of it later. So I think she, A, wasn't real happy with what she had to wear. Yeah. And B, she like hates her mother. Yeah. But they smile. They have a good time. It's so adorable. Emily is having time of her life and yep. doing a little dance and gets Lorelai to join in a little bit. All the women of the Booster Club love it. They go on and on how much of the best event they've ever had, which is so dumb. This is the best. Who was planning these events before? Well, I bet the food was great. Did you have mud wrestling before? Like, what was worse than a fashion show fundraiser? Did any of those have Cindy Lauper music? Yeah, also, like, the best music. Shut up. Luke has hung around and is talking to the tall, tall lady, which Lorelai sees. And Lorelai's all like, I don't know how I feel about that. Emily is pleased that Lorelai's in her element, though. She's so excited at the end of the dance. Dance? Might as well have been a dance. A dance would have been better. Then, like, the husbands would have come. You just don't want women hanging out. I what, There needs to be men there. What okay? are you, Spike? Your woman can't go out on her own if she wants to go eat someone in the middle of the night? <laughs> I just meant, like, more people means more donations. Well, I, they're married, though. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, Emily's like, it looks like you fit very well into the world you're trying to escape, Lorelai. God, she's not Skeletor. <laughs> ah, Lorelai. Ah. And then she walks away. Yeah. she That's like the bitchiest thing to say. Like, I feel like she's trying to be sort of like, oh, you are a capable woman. But really, it's like, you should have lived your life the way I wanted. Every time I try to like Emily, she kicks me in the nuts. When Lorelai gets home, she just casually mentions to Rory, like, oh, hey, they're going to kidnap you tonight. The girls from that sorority to, like, make you go out to breakfast in your pajamas. So get ready. And that's like a thing I think I've actually heard of happening. Like knowing that they're coming or just being rushed? Rushed. Like they take you out in your pajamas. This is a thing, right? Yeah, I've seen that in, like, other shows. But she's like, yeah, Rory, you should, like, put makeup on and stuff. Pretend you don't know they're coming. So they come, pick her up, and Paris is all, like, covered in acne medication. Like, oh, no, I had no idea. Then they don't go out to eat. They go to the dean's office. Headmaster. Headmaster Dean, spoiler alert, he becomes headmaster season seven. Um... (laughs) You think Rory's still going to Chilton and seeing it season seven? No, but I think that he is the dean there. Oh, that's fair. That's a fair theory. And then eventually... Dean Dean? Yes, it's Dean Dean, eventually. And then he sort of like lords it over Richard a little bit. Like, you thought I was nobody, but my mixed grades got me here, didn't it? This is fanfic. No, this uh, this is canon. Anyway. Yes, the initiation is not breakfast. It is to break into the headmaster's office and ring a bell and say a poem. It's silly. It's whatever. Rory's all like, I don't know if I want to do this. Paris Uh, is like, I need this. Don't ruin this for me. There's another random girl there too. But as soon as Rory's about to like ring the bell the third time, of course, headmaster shows up with some police officers. And apparently the night secretary? Yeah, what is she doing there? Yeah, the secretary comes in and is like, headmaster, we need you in the other room. And like, what, what, did you bring her with you? Why is she working in the middle of the night? But right before all the girls get taken out and they're getting like chastised by Dean Headmaster, mm-hmm. um, 
Rory has like a little soliloquy about how this is all his fault. This isn't fair. Uh, I do have a life. This is the stuff Stacey was talking about earlier. Like, I do have a life. I have a boyfriend. My mom and I talk a lot. This episode was showcasing that a lot in the first couple of scenes. The dialogue is so tight and so quick. She says all that. You wouldn't even follow this show if you weren't in it. You would be like, there's too much dialogue. There's too much sociality. And, and he's like, you're right. I have to memorize so many lines. <laughs> yeah, she's like, it's your fault that I'm here. You're the one that like told me to be social. I randomly sat with these people and now I'm in trouble for like what you insisted I do and like creepily forced upon me. And the girls are like, we're a random table. So she's out with him, I guess. I don't know about Paris yet. Yeah, I guess we don't really see them. But she's not sitting with them later at the cafeteria. Yeah, the next day, Rory's back to her regular table. She's not in trouble. Yeah, it seems like her speech worked on the dean, headmaster Charleston dean. Not just the headmaster, though. Because when Rory's sitting down, about to put her headphones on, a girl who had also been being rushed the night before shows up and sits down with her and starts to read. But, like, Rory smiles, like, oh, I'm starting that thing. Yeah. Because she mentioned earlier in the episode, like, isn't there, like, a group of people that just, like, read and stuff? I'm 90% sure we never see that girl again. Well, you said that about the heart player lady, so I'm guessing this girl's in the next, like, eight episodes. That's Big true. player. <laughs> Dates Michelle for a while. Lorelai goes to talk to Luke. She's got a message for him. I hated this scene. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to tell them? She sits down and she's like, hey, I saw you flirting with that girl and she clearly is into you, but I just want you to know that I think it would be weird if you dated one of the moms at the school. That's what she says first, okay? So he's not even supposed to date one of the parents at the school. Then she brings it home a little bit more by saying, you know, I'm on this group with her, so if you hooked up with her, like, I would start to hear things and it'd be weird, so it'd be great if you didn't. And he calls her on this, but it's such an absurd, selfish, inappropriate thing to ask of anybody. I mean, she's doing it because she's jealous and doesn't want him to date anyone besides her, obviously, even if she's not willing to admit that. Right. We know that. But, like, to say that to another person is absurd. Mm -hmm. And he really, really calls her on it and lets her know that, like, hey, we weren't even flirting. I was just telling her how to get home. Yeah. But then when she walks out, Luke smiles. He likes that she's jelly. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a lot. I could see if Luke was, like... I don't know, somehow more involved in her life, like a co-worker or like her ex-boyfriend, you know? Or if he was known for like just emotionally abusing people, or she like, might be like, don't do this to my friends. Or blasting through booster clubs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to just say like, hey, I don't want you dating this person because I might hear about it and that's gross. Like that's... What? Yeah, that felt like a crazy move to give her. It sounded like something Xander wouldn't even do. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, writing-wise, that just was, like, super desperate and not, like, a good justification. But maybe that's what they were going for. Yeah. Jess is, I don't know where this episode, I assume, filming a workout video. <laughs> he's got a YouTube channel. Yeah, very early YouTube. Stacy, was this a good episode of Gilmore Girls? It wasn't a bad episode, but I don't know that it was, like, one of the greats. Mm -hmm. It was cool to see more of Rory at school. I feel like we haven't really fleshed out her schoolmates that much. And it, it was kind of nice to see beyond Paris because... I think we were, like, led to believe that Paris was popular, but maybe not. Maybe Paris is just, like, the type A nerd. Right. And now we're starting to see some of the popular people. Yeah, I got the impression that Paris was popular for some reason. The fact that she has lackeys. I think these girls are also maybe older. Yeah. Like, maybe they're juniors. Well, I guess Roy's a junior, but maybe they're, like, seniors. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate the stuff with Emily. And there was a lot of funny stuff. They brought out the deer thing again. That was kind of funny, even though I hate that joke. Yeah, Rory, like, rehashed the story of getting hit by the deer to the guidance counselor. The part I liked about that was when she was like, you know, this is a very important story to me. You'd think I'd be better at telling it. That was funny. <laughs> all in all, it was a fast-paced episode. I don't know that it really blew me away, but, uh, I mean, I enjoyed it enough. 
Yeah, other than like Lorelai telling Luke that he couldn't date her friend, there wasn't that much that was like bad or annoying about it. But there also weren't any like of those memorable, juicy Gilmore Girl scenes. There was no emotion in this episode for me. And I really can't get over that stupid fundraiser. <laughs> I did like Rory standing up to the headmaster. Yeah. That was cool. Yes. It felt not out of character for her because she's like stood up to her grandpa before. Yeah. But I think that was an interesting character building thing for her. And I like that it like affected one of the girls. Mm-hmm. I, th- I liked that a lot, actually. And it shows character that Rory is helping Paris, even though Paris has been terrible to her. Yeah. Rory's a moral person. A friend of mine says that they, when they were recalling the show, they thought that Rory was like really selfish. So I'm interested to see how she develops because so far in the show, she's been very, like I said, empathetic less selfish, making decisions that make everyone happy. Right. I I know some things that probably make her selfish, but I don't recall a lot of her behavior in the later, later seasons, which I think is what bothers a lot of people. But there's something that happens like season four Mm. that's pretty big. She dates Medina. Yeah. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed, Season 2, Episode 7, They're Everywhere. A group of warlocks that are knowledge thieves are hunting down a young man named Eric who has uncovered the location of one of the greatest sources of power in the world, the Akashic Records. Meanwhile, Prue has her hands full. (laughs) Love these descriptions. (laughs) Full of what? Well, here's my best guess. Okay. First off, it's always a young man or young woman. It's never like just a person. So my dad was right when he says it's about teens, I yeah. guess. Well, they're running away. Old people can't run. That's true. So he's looking for this uh, musical record that's got a bunch of like great, great power. And Where did you get musical from? It's the Akashic Records. Oh, you think it's a, okay, it's like a round, like a record player record? Yeah, it's a bunch of like really good records. I guess that's the choice we're making, sure. Choice we're making? That's what happens in yeah, the show. that's what happens in the show. And he can tell where it is because you know how when like young people can hear like sounds that older people can't hear? I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, look it up if you don't. Yeah, it's a real thing. And so, like, he is just young enough that he can hear the records when they're playing and other people can't. So he's able to find them. And the knowledge thieves are trying to get these musical records. Why? Uh, just because they're one of the greatest sources of power in the world? Absolutely. And they're super into gossip. Uh-huh. And the records have all kinds of juicy gossip on them. Right. So the warlocks, a.k.a. knowledge thieves. A.k.a. gas hounds. They're like, oh, we hear Eric knows where those super juicy records are. Um, uh, Eric, can you, like, show us where those juicy records are? Meanwhile, Prue, okay, she broke one of the urns at their auction house. Uh-huh. So she's, like, desperately trying to replace it. Right. Uh, so she's got, like, a kiln going and one of those, um... She's trying to make a new one. Yeah, like in Ghost. Right. But the whole time, like, Eric and them are there. Every time he plays the record, it, like, cracks it. So she's got to start again. Because it's so high-pitched. Yeah. But she can't hear it, so she doesn't know why it keeps cracking. So it's, like, a really funny running gag that she's like, it's fixed, and then it breaks. It just shatters as soon as she puts it on the mantle. Exactly. So it's like a funny runner cutting back to her. Yeah. Why? And then she also gives two dudes hand jobs at the same time. Right. They're they're really (laughs) big things. Um, so I don't really know which one of those two things that both happen in this episode are the Prue has her hands full, but... She's got a lot going on. She does. But it's funny. It does sound like a pretty funny episode. Yeah, it's a good one. This is one of my favorite episodes. I'm a little worried, because I feel like this might not be the first time we see these records. Mm. 
So they're just powerful because they know a lot of gossip. They yeah. just they contain a lot of Ton information of on them. Sweet hot tea. Got it. All right. Well, this has been Meanwhile on Charmed. So now we're going to talk about Buffy. We watched season two, episode seven, Lie to Me. This one was written by Joss Whedon. Stacey, what happened? So this episode is about Buffy's friend from her last high school, Ford. Ford is her friend, not her high school. Coming to Sunnydale. And he's like, I go here now. But turns out he's like dying of cancer and is trying to become a vampire before that happens. And his plan for that is to trade Buffy to Spike in exchange for becoming a vampire. And Angel's around a lot. Yeah. So it starts with Buffy creeping, and she sees Drusilla and Angel talking in the graveyard. Drusilla's trying to kill a little boy. Angel's like, get out of here. And then they seem to, like, know each other or, like, maybe have had some kind of intimate past. And Buffy's like, I just got started with Angel. And then the whole episode, they're just, like, tense and fighting and just, like, not talking about their feelings. And it's kind of annoying because I'm like, you guys Mm -hmm. just started dating. Buffy, just, like, tell him you saw him. It's not weird that you saw him in the graveyard. That's, like, where you go at night. Just ask him what the deal with this girl is. Yeah, it's also just, like, he talked to a girl that's different than, like, she was kissing a girl. She was touching him, I guess. Yeah, they were, like, pretty close. Yeah. I get why she's, like, maybe, like, what were you doing last night? Oh, I was at home. Okay, you weren't, though, so what happened? Yeah, he does lie to her. I'm like, okay, I I get why you're mad at him. Angels are like, hey, Drusilla, get out of here. I'm going to let you have this warning. You should just leave. And Drew's all like, it's just gotten started. Honestly, I don't understand why he doesn't just kill her. Yeah, and he kind of implies that, like, something's about to go down in this town and that her and Spike should get out of town. That's about as much as we get on that in this episode. It's weird. It seems like he has some sort of affection for her as a vampire, but, like, he should kill her. She's a vampire. She will kill tons and tons of people forever until... She is killed or given a soul. So then at school the next day, we're hanging out. Xander says something gives him a happy. Like, what? Is it a boner? What? What does it sounds that like mean? he's talking about his boner. I don't want to know about your happies. Put your happy away, Xander. We're in school. And then this, like, sort of cute guy shows up. And Buffy's all up in him. Just when Xander has, like, kind of accepted the fact that she's with Angel now, he's got to deal with his other half-love interest. And it's Buffy's old friend from her last school, Billy Fordham. Ford. She had a crush on him in fifth grade, which I think is weird to talk about. I feel like when you're, like, a junior in high school, you're still, like, shy to talk about having a crush Mm -hmm. on someone even a few years ago. She's also, like, holding hands with him from, like, the start. Yeah. It's like, you're not even this close to your friends now who, like, know your secrets, who brought you back to life. But he's around. He's switched to this school now, which seems kind of crazy that they've both just moved to the same small town, but we'll figure that out later. Xander is, like, hella jealous this episode. So is Angel, honestly. And the jealousy is kind of really thick, especially from Xander. I also want to say, I feel like Willow in this episode is a little too awkward. Mm-hmm. Angel finds out about Ford and how close he seems to be with Buffy because they're very flirty. So he has Willow, like look him up on the internet and then Willow's got to like hide that she's doing this from Buffy and every time she's like confronted with this or Buffy talks to her she's just like super nervous and awkward and I'm like I don't know it's just not very realistic I get that she's like an anxious person but just the way she plays it seems to be too much she's just like stammering I also want to point out that Angel like comes to her house and she invites him in which I don't know that I would be comfortable inviting him in to be quite honest with you but he comes in and then he's like hey can you do a bunch of fucking work for me for free yeah 
like look up this dude and stuff and give me all he's like any kind of files you can like files what are you talking about like you're you're just sending her out to get any kind of files she can on this guy like pre the internet being easy to navigate two things in this time period probably looking up information on someone wasn't just something that you could do easily. This is like right. pre-Facebook. Right. And Willow does seem to be like sort of jacked in, if you will, mm-hmm. to different websites that we She's don't know. She's jacked in. <laughs> She's got like some dark web stuff happening maybe. But yeah, also at this time, Willow was like the only one that knew how to do that. You know what I mean? So it, it kind of makes sense that he would come to her. No, it makes sense that he might ask her a favor, but he just like comes in and demands her to do this. Yeah. He's like, I'll be back tomorrow. Well, she tells him to leave because her parent's here. But he's it, like, figure this out by tomorrow. Yeah. It'd be one thing if he was like, hey, can you do this for me? And like, hey, you know what? Tomorrow I'll buy you a dinner or something. Like, honestly, like it's he's giving her like eight hours of work. And she doesn't even really want to do it. It's all for him. Exactly. And it comes to pass that Ford is like hanging out in this weird basement underground bunker with a bunch of weird kids that are all kind of like goth. And it it seems like they're maybe like wannabe vampires. They're doing some weird welding. Yeah, they're preparing a door, which will clearly be important later. Ford's all like, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. It's almost ready. We've come out to find... None of this makes sense. Because later we find out that he hasn't even talked to the vampires yet. He doesn't know where the vampires are. Yeah, he's hanging out with Buffy and there just happen to be vampires and he like grabs one of them and figures out where Spike is and all that. But like, he didn't know those vampires were going to be running by at that moment. I thought maybe he did. Yeah, it, it it doesn't make sense. Like his whole plan was to like hope vampires attacked him or Buffy and that he would have a chance to be like, hey, I actually have a deal for you. Could you listen to me? Then he shows up at Spike's lair and Spike's all like, why shouldn't I just kill you? And he's like, no, you got to be like in the movies. You got to like say, you got 30 seconds to tell me why I won't kill you. I don't know why Spike humors him at all. Yeah, because Drew like has a vision. Even though Drew's wrong, the dude dies. Like, Yeah. Yeah, Drew's like, no, don't hurt him, Spike. I just have a tummy ache. I don't want to eat right now. <laughs> so he's like, I can give you the Slayer. And Spike's all like, smile. la la. That's how Spike talks. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a beeline story going on that Giles and Miss Counter went on a date. She wouldn't tell him what it is, and it's a monster truck rally, and he hated it. Obviously, Jenny, what are we doing? Also, I did some research. Jenny Calendar is two weeks older than Cordelia, IRL. None of this looks suspicious to me when I was 16. Xander, Willow, and Angel go to investigate the weird teen vampire den. And Angel's like, I see what this is. These kids think being a vampire's cool and that they're like gods. He doesn't understand like what a terrible life it is, which I guess is important like thematically. Yeah, but he also has that joke about his outfit and then someone is dressed just like him. Yeah, he says these people don't even know what vampires are like or how they dress. And then this kid walks in dressed exactly like Angel. I also like when Xander makes fun of Angel. Yeah. Just in general. Buffy's at home moping. She's drinking some tea. Angel asks if he can come in for once. And Angel asks if she loves him. And she says she does, but she doesn't know if she can trust him, which you can't. He's a vamp. Also, do you love him? Like, I know time theoretically passes that we don't see. Right, but they've never been happy. They had, like, one night where they made out, and their relationship has been very volatile. Yeah, like, to say that you love somebody, like, do do you? Do you know what love is? I want you to show me. That's a song. I know, yeah. I want to know what love is. We, we got it. So... Angel tells Buffy that Drusilla is like a woman that he knew from Prague and he was kind of like obsessed with her and he made her go crazy. And then she went to a convent to like be a nun and the night she was going to take her nun vows, he made her a vampire. I don't really understand this. Was it romantic? 
I don't think so. I think it was just like... He just was a mean, mean man that tortured this woman? Yeah, I mean, he's a demon. But he's nice now. He has a soul now. He didn't then. He didn't then. But is that just like, that's a normal thing to just make a woman go crazy and not like, like, why didn't he eat her sooner? Well, I think vampires have different levels of like, like every demon is individualistic. Like Drew and Spike have affection for each other, even though most vampires don't feel that even. Yeah, I don't know what he sees in her, honestly. Yeah, I don't know either. So is this why Drusilla is the way she is now? Yes. Okay. And why is she weak? Do we know that yet? Because she- of whatever the mob did in Prague that tried to kill her. And when was that? Do we know about that? Yeah, because they, they said that she died. Giles was like, oh, she's dead. She died at this mob killed her. Then- oh, yeah. That was in this episode because they looked that up in, in the book in the library. I assume that picture of the girl in the dress a couple episodes ago was Drusilla. It kind of looked like her, yeah. So at some point, a vampire runs through the library and takes one of Giles' books. Yes. What was that? I don't know. And she takes that back to Spike. Actually, I think I might know what it is about now that I think about it. That wasn't addressed in this episode? No. Okay. That seemed important, but not like important enough for me to remember that unless they talk about it like next episode. Yeah. I feel like it would have been better if Ford had shown up with that book. Yeah. And been like, here, this is like to see that I'm not just talk. Yeah. I don't really get what the point of that was, but he's going to give Buffy to Spike. The point of that was the writing so that he let the girl go and the vampire woman to go and said that he had killed her, but she broke in and stole that book and Buffy saw that Ford had lied to her. Yeah. That's why that any of that happened. Yeah, I see what you mean. So then Buffy follows Ford to his like weird bunker that they've converted into like a better bunker. <laughs> yeah. A festive bunker. She confronts him and he's all like, well, don't you know that it's too late? And like he locks the door and like the only way that this door opens is from the outside. He's tricked all these people into thinking they're going to be made into vampires. So they're like all on board with keeping Buffy there, even though it's likely the vampires will just kill all of them and not make them vampires. Buffy tries to explain that. They are like, nah, it's all going to be good. Yeah. And then he's like, you know what? I got real bad brain cancer, and this is the only way for me to live any longer than like six months. How does that make you feel, Buffy? Second character in two seasons with brain cancer. Yeah. What's going on? I was like, this sounds familiar. Oh, they've done this. And part of me is like, okay, is this justifiable then? No. No, it's not, because he's going to kill a ton of people, including like his former friend. Yeah, he's going to kill a ton of people. He's also like clearly cared about Buffy at some point, Mm -hmm. and he knows she's a slayer. She's like an important person who he's willing to kill to save himself. Oh, yeah, we haven't really talked about that. He somehow knows she's the Slayer, and he makes that clear to her pretty early on because she's, like, trying to hide that. He's like, don't worry about it, I know. They tell Giles, he knows. Nobody questions this, and we don't know how he knows. Yeah, it's crazy that he knows, and, like, everyone just is like, yeah, I guess he knows. And we we never find out, like, how he knew, or, like, this is obviously why he came to Sunnydale to try to make this scheme happen. But how did he know about Spike? Yeah, I mean, none of that makes sense, honestly. And then him trying to be like, well, Buffy, you should feel bad for me because I've had cancer. It's like, why would she feel bad for you? You're killing her. And Angel has told us that being a vampire sucks. So she's like, you know, it's not all going to be great either. He's like, no, I don't care. I do like that she explains the vampire lore like pretty clearly here, though. She's like, you're not here anymore. Like, you are dead. You're gone. Mm -hmm. And like a demon just like takes over your dead body. You'll have like some memories, but you won't be the same person. He's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm on board. Feel bad for me because I got cancer. I'm going to kill you. You should feel bad for me. That's a sociopath. That's a psych. No, that's a psychopath. Maybe that was the first time learning that he wouldn't be himself. Even if he were to be himself, he's going to spend the rest of eternity killing people. But anyway, Buffy's trapped in 
this bunker that only opens from the outside because of the welding. And then the vampires come on in, Spike and all his friends and lovers. And they start messing with people immediately, start biting into them. And Buffy gets Drusilla. She's got a stake to her bod. And she's like, stop it, Spike, or I'll kill this lady. And Spike's like, you got me again, Buffy. And everyone stops biting people. And then Buffy traps all the vampires inside. Her friends just happen to show up right as she's leaving. And she's like, well, they're in there. They'll get out eventually. Don't know how. We don't. How are they going to get out? It only opens from the outside. I don't know why she knows they're going to get out. And if they know they're in there, it's like, it seems like an opportunity we could kill them somehow. Yeah, like put a, a smoke bomb in there or something. And a smoke bomb wouldn't work. Put a steak bomb in there. Steak bomb. That's what you need. And she's like, we'll come back later and get the body because she assumes that they'll kill Ford. Or that he'll die of cancer six months later. <laughs> One of the two. But the vampires get out somehow. They rip the doors off the hinges, which is... Is that... Are they are they strong? I mean, the vampires are strong, but like, I don't know. They couldn't rip a metal door open. They weren't trying to get out. They were just like, well, we're in here, I guess. Well, for like a second. So later, Giles and Buffy are, are waiting for Ford to rise. And he does. They converted him to vampire. So they held up on their end of the bargain. I guess Spike's a good guy. And Buffy's like, just life is so hard, Giles. Does it get any better? And he's like, no. And she's like, well, lie to me. Name of the episode. So he tells her about all these nice things. And she's like, you're lying. And that's the end. The lying to me thing was a nice thing, though, because the whole episode was about that. Yes. About Angel lying. About Ford lying. About her not having to lie. About her identity and how that made her feel. And about her telling Angel that she wanted to be told the truth. But then when she was, she like didn't like what she had been told. But then she likes when... Giles lies her? Is that like a weird sex thing? No. Okay. I also like this because there's an episode of Angel that deals heavily with the term lie to me. It's mm. got an amazing scene. Oh, I think you've told me about this scene. Because it's so good. I don't really remember any context. Good. But I remember what you're talking about. Because when we watch it, you shouldn't know. But I will. Because you literally tell me this bedtime story like once a year. It's a great scene. Okay. Brian, was this a good episode? It's tough. I would say... Yes, okay, but there's some like glaring plot holes that really hurt it. Uh Uh-huh, like Ford's motivation and know-how? Ford's like psychopathic, it's just like not everyone can be a psychopath. I mean, he clearly does not care about other people suffering at all, so that doesn't make sense. But also his plan doesn't make any sense at all. Them taking that book and then not explaining why kind of bothers me. Normally, I wouldn't mind like tying something else up in a later episode, but the show doesn't really do that. Yes, it does. Okay, well, it hasn't much yet. A lot of episodes so far have been Monster of the Week, where we're like, and that's the end of that. But Uh like this book thing was just like a random small detail that we didn't flesh out. Not yet. I'm pretty sure I know what the book is now. It had a lot of thematic things I liked. I also like that we're finally delving into who is Spike, who is Drusilla, who is Angel or Mm -hmm. Angelus. What is the orbit of these people? Because I feel like there's a lot more in the past that's relevant that we're just now discovering. Yeah. Like Spike's the bad guy, but like, is he just a regular bad guy? Is there more to him? And this episode's like keeping us back on track. Yeah, I liked that, that it it was more about the, the plot of the season than just a random episode. But it had a lot of things I didn't like. Like mm-hmm. that Angel and Buffy are still so will there, won't they? Even after it seemed like they were gonna will. Mm-hmm. I just like want Buffy and Angel to be a couple if they're gonna be a couple. Okay. They keep making it complicated. So which episode do you think was better? It's really hard. I feel like they were both kind of middle of the road. Mm-hmm. But I think I'll go Gilmore just because I think Buffy had more flaws. It's not a big winner. What about you? I'm torn because when it comes down to it, for me, Gilmore Girls had like one line that made me laugh. Uh Uh-huh. It wasn't a funny, 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 funny episode. But it also wasn't like a very plot 
forward heavy episode. No. And the emotional plot legwork that it did between Lorelai and Luke, very clumsy. And I don't know, it seemed like it had plot holes too. So I I think I'm going to go Buffy. Okay. Because it moved the plot along and it was a little funnier. Sure. I, I think we've made the right decisions. Because I, I don't know that there's like a clear winner here. So I think if we split, it's pretty fair. I'm ready to say that Buffy's episode had a ton of plot holes, for sure. And the emotional weight wasn't that strong. But I just feel like it was better than in Gilmore, just by like a like a tinge. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, too. I think it's just easier to rest on the show we like. I feel like these episodes were a lot like the last season finale of The Great British Bake Off, where it's like, yeah, all these showstoppers are just okay. Neither of them stands out. Right. I guess we got it comes down to the crust. Right. Well, we would love to hear your thoughts about either or both of these episodes. A fashion fundraiser? Am I insane or does that make no sense? Did you like Emily and Lorelai's outfits? Where were Richard and Jess? Did you ever want to be a vampire? I did. Did you? Oh, yeah, man. I used to read Anne Rice and stuff. Is that about how to be a vampire? The Last Vampire Books by Christopher Pike? I made you read those. But you wanted to be a vampire? Yeah, why not? Of course. To be like the angel type of vampire where you're like broody, but like you're hot and strong. I don't want to be the demony part. That was funny when Angel said he had perfected brooding when he was younger. Were you a puff? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer. That's where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffer the Vampire Slayer Season 2 episode eight the dark age i'm really excited about this episode i barely remember it as well as gilmore girls season two episode eight the ins and outs of ins i don't remember this episode at all i hope it's about vampires have a great 2021 everyone let's let's try guys let's really try we did real bad last year and we're hoping you guys can fix it for us could you guys fix it for us happy birthday brian happy birthday me bye